Welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast answering questions asked by our listeners. Created by pet professionals for pet professionals. And now, your host, Hey Joe's very own, Joe Zuccarello. What's up, everyone? Joe Zuccarello here, and welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast brought to you by Paragon School of Pet Grooming. Check out our site at paragonpetschool.com for lots of really cool information on a variety of programs, products, and to connect to educational resources such as webinars, podcasts, current events, special news, certifications, and lots of other helpful information to help you grow yourself, your team, and of course your business. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Zuccarello, your host of the Hey Joe podcast, and today we are talking about something really cool, something new. Uh, So I have a question for everybody, and the question is, should you have retail? In other words, should you sell retail in your pet care services business, your grooming business, your boarding business, your daycare business, whatever, should you have retail? And, and if the question is yes, you should have retail, how should you position yourself with retail? What should you carry in your retail offering? And why should you carry what it is that you're carrying in your retail offering? Well, my guest today will help us navigate all of these questions. And she's going to provide some really tremendous guidance toward the answers to those questions as well and some support. Um, I am joined today by Candice Daniolo. Candice, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Joe. Happy to be here. So Candace is with a really great organization called Pet Boss Nation. And first off, I got to tell you, I love the power in just the title of, of your organization. I just <laughs> love how it just flows and it just, there's just a powerful uh, a power about it. And that's exactly what we're trying to do is, is helping to educate, uh, uh, you know, the Hey Joe listener audience out there, these, these just passionate pet business people. Uh, so that one, they can provide the, the best service and best products to the to the pet parents to, to their customers, but also uh, to really kind of you know really take care of themselves financially, right, in their pocketbook. So, Candace, tell us who you are. What is Pet Boss Nation? How does Pet Boss Nation help retailers, service providers, and everything in between? Well, Pet Boss Nation is a global collaborative community for local pet businesses. And we provide successful industry experts who've been in their shoes before, and we coach them to help them make more money, find more time, and have more fun. And in our community, it's really a group of peers that have a, have a sense of like-mindedness where we truly believe in community over competition to share with each other because we firmly believe that we're stronger together as independent business owners than apart. And my background has been in, in retail primarily. I mean, I've, I've been in the pet industry since 2004. I've done, you know, had retail boutiques, grooming, dog daycare, boarding, kennel, dog walking business even. I've even done wholesale a little bit. But the core of my experience has been in brick and mortar retail. And over the years, you know, I just found that I got into it because I was passionate about pets, but I really didn't know a lot about running a business. And once I realized there were a lot of other business principles that I needed in place, 
Um, my, my business life transformed. I showed up differently as a leader in my own pet businesses. And then ultimately, I was able to sell my, my brick and mortar businesses, which isn't common in, um, just in small business in general. And I've sold three businesses. And so over the years, as I got to talk to more um, independent business owners, I realized, gosh, there's a lot that people don't know. There's a lot um, that we could be sharing more with each other. And so about three years ago, I launched Pet Boss Nation, and it's really a place where people can learn to learn basic business skills, but also really scale their companies too in a just very warm, friendly, inviting environment. Well, if that doesn't appeal to people out there, I don't know <laughs> what will. <laughs> yeah, well, and, 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 and you know what, you make a great point, Candace, and that is so many times we feel, especially in, in, in the independent pet business world we feel like we're on an island right that we have to kind of create all of the answers for ourselves. And, and 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 i think sometimes we also feel like uh, uh well we feel like we're on that island but i think sometimes we we accidentally put ourselves on that island by way of mm -hmm. well we can't open up to our neighbors we can't talk to other people that are doing similar business in our in our market in our neighborhood because we're afraid of tipping our hand we're afraid that we're going to you know, share the, you know, the Colonel's secret recipe. And, and I know that one of the things that you preach is, listen, you know, if it's intellectual property and needs to be protected, that's one thing. But overall, if somebody looks, they're going to see the same information, the same products, the same, you know, there's really not a whole lot that's secret. And to your point, we're better as a collaborative than we are as islands. Mm-hmm. Well, there's just so much business out there for all of us to go after. And when I think about really from the consumer's perspective, we are, our biggest competitor as a business owner is really that consumer's time, like how they're going to choose to spend their time. And it's their dollars, right? Every consumer only has so much money to spend and they're going to choose to spend it on, you know, their own health and wellness, or they maybe will choose to spend it on their pet's health and wellness. <laughs> and 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 so really we as business owners um can establish our own uniqueness to kind of attract that customer but the reality is is that nothing very few things nowadays are new <laughs> right it's just about how you can be better at business to to meet that customer needs right it's it's more of the the newness is how it can be delivered and how you can service the customer not delivered mm -hmm. necessarily to the home although that you know a lot of people are sorting that as well but what i mean is mm -hmm. what presence do you have what customer experience do you provide what support right. what what emotional transaction do you secure with your customer mm -hmm. and i love the point that you make about about listen everybody has a finite number of of money at least the people i hang around with right they don't i mean it's not growing <laughs> on trees yet that i found but you know, I've often said that it's about, you know, it's about helping the customer align their priorities or reassign priorities. I've seen people, uh, and I know I've mentioned this to my Hey Joe listener audience before, but I've seen people pull up in front of a, a, a pet care facility in a car that looks like they live in it. And they'll come in and drop a thousand dollars on their dog's care or product or training or whatever. And that just amazes me, but that is their priority. That's their baby. That's where they're going to invest their dollars so uh to your point it's it's all about connecting with the customer in that regard so 
you know, as we start looking at, especially pet care service providers, you know, there are retailers out there and there's dot-com platforms and such as well. But I think some of the obstacles I've heard about as I've asked around, uh, you know, as I was preparing to bring you on to the, to the podcast, some of the obstacles that pet care service providers face is one of it's just a willingness to carry retail, a willingness to offer product sales. Another is just, and, and I hope we're going to take a big bite out of this today, is just the knowledge of how to do it, right? The knowledge of what's the best way to do it. And then you get into time. How much time does it take me? You know, I'm a busy person as a pet care service provider. You know, it's how much time. And then costs, not only in costs of time and such, but actual physical dollars, right? For inventory, for carrying costs. And then, of course, that threat of competition that always is looming out there. So what I'd like to be able to do, Candice, is dive into, uh, oh, and by the way, uh, for you out there listening, Candice has, uh, uh, she's bringing something really powerful to you the listener, and she's making available a free PDF uh, retailer's guide that is several pages long, much more information than we're going to be able to cover in our time today, but she's making that free download available to you on the paragonpetschool.com website. So be sure you guys know where to go. Go to the paragonpetschool.com resources page, and uh, you'll see Candace's uh, episode right there, and uh, you'll see her link. And you'll see the link to download this free, uh, this tremendous uh, resource that she's providing the Hey Joe listener audience out there. So Candace, uh, thank you in advance for, for making that happen. That is really cool. Oh yeah, happy to share it with everybody. So let's dive then right into the types of retail. This is one of the pages that are in that PDF, right? It's kind of a four square grid, uh, you know, four different quadrants on this grid. Uh, and uh, you, you do a really great job of defining the types of retail. And, and it's at this point, it's sort of like these are the choices that people can make, right? Based on cost and things. So I don't want to steal your thunder. Kind of give us an idea, knowing, of course, we're an audible uh, uh, solution, an audible medium right now until they download the, the, the PDF. But describe for us what the four quadrants are and some of the highlights in those. Sure. So, you know, there's this concept of doing a risk and reward analysis. You know, I didn't come up with this. It's been around for a while. But what you want to do is you want to kind of break opportunities into a, a, this four quadrant, right? We've got four squares. And on the lower half, those are our low risk, low reward. And up above, we can have a high risk and high reward, right? And so it'll make more sense when you visually look at it. But in a sense, we have four opportunities in retail. One is this um low risk which is really low investment and low reward right sometimes we don't get as much money out of things if we're not willing to invest the money into them but there's low risk low reward and those items um, and opportunities would be like a drop ship program um, special ordering or even just carrying merchandise you know in a duffel bag like if you're a dog trainer and you're always hopping from service center to service center um, you know, having that smaller packed item uh, or carrying case in a sense full of the inventory that um, your customers would want. So the low risk items, like we just mentioned, the dropship programs, that's really easy because you can team up with other brands and manufacturers who will just ship that inventory directly to your customer. And so you don't have to put any money up front until the order comes in. Same thing with special orders. You know, you might find 
a vendor that you want to carry and they've got a great mix of product and you're going to take orders ahead of time from your customers and get collect their money before you go place the product to bring into the store. So those options are great if we've got listeners who don't have the funds right now um, to invest a lot into retail, but they could start, you know, just dabbling in it a little bit. Now it's low reward because, you know, if you're not taking big orders, you're not going to make a lot of money off of that. But the other option is more like the low risk, but still high reward, right? That's where I like to spend most of our time is, is that in this space, there's a lot of options for you to grow your retail business. One of them is to just go ahead and start an online store. Now, once you're looking at this grid in the handout, online store actually appears in both this low risk and high reward, but it also appears in the high risk and low reward. And that's because when I talk about having an online store, I talk about two different types of online stores. One of them that I feel like is the easiest way out of the gate is to start up a store with etailpet.com. Etailpet.com, they're a partner of ours. We highly recommend them. And for the price of, I think, about $150 a month, now it may have changed depending on when you're listening to this, but for a very low upfront fee, um, and, and then it does reoccur monthly, you can get a whole catalog. I think they've got over 10,000 SKUs of products. They've got the pictures, descriptions, weights, images. They can get all of that product onto an online shopping site for you for just $150. <laughs> and, and so in my mind, you know, when I think about most online stores, like the ones that are in my high risk, low reward area, the reason online stores end up being so expensive is because, you know, we oftentimes say I can do it myself or you pay a team member to load all those pictures and load all the descriptions onto a website. And then really there's never any traffic that is coming to the site placing orders. And so I like Etail Pet because it provides an opportunity to get all the products online really easy. And they, they sync up with another a couple other companies that we really love that offer drop shipping. And so if you don't want to carry any inventory and you only want to pick items that drop ship direct from manufacturers, you could still have them on your website. So that's, that's a great alternative to just getting started. You're not going to make a, a ton of money right away from this because you still have to be able to promote it to your customer base and get them used to shopping on your website. But it's a, again, low risk. You're not going to invest a lot of money or time to have to get it going. So Candace, I, have a, Candace mm-hmm. I have a question for you though, right there. What if, you know, and I hear that and I, and I'd like to think that I am probably maybe at average to maybe above average understanding technology, right? But what if, I mean, these are just, these are some really great people out there providing some really great pet services. What if the idea of an online retail store, it sounds awful techy, right? But and, and maybe some people could be even intimidated by that tech. How does, uh, does, how does Etail Pet make it easier for them and, and really take the, the intimidation factor out of that? I mean, is it kind of a, it's a guided process. So it just, it, it, it sounds scary. <laughs> I know, I know, right? You actually don't even have to have an existing website. So for those of you listening who do not even have a website, they will get you a website. They will build you a website that is mobile friendly um, that has some basic information on it. You know, you like your location and your hours and they'll throw some photos on it for you. And then they're 
going to integrate this shopping site. They do everything. All you have to do is you'd have to give them a spreadsheet of the merchandise that you sell. So for some retailers that might be, or, or service providers listening who do already have some retail, and you want to get that product on their on your website with Etel Pet, all you have to do is export like an Excel spreadsheet from your point of sale system and then send it to them and they'll upload that inventory onto your website. So they make it very, very seamless. You get an account representative and pretty much in about three days, they can have your website up and running. Three days. So three days, mm -hmm. these folks can be three selling days. their retail on, on an online store. Yep. Okay. I, I didn't even, I didn't even know it was that fast. Days. I didn't even know that was, was, was that fast. <laughs> I might start selling retail for my home office. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> right. that's really cool. But you said that they partner though with also uh, folks that do drop shipping. So it could be that some items might be a pickup in store type of situation and some might just yeah. be like shipped to home. Is that right? Yeah. So one of the things Etel Pet does is that they really, their core is to drive business back into your local shop. So the two functions that they heavily promote and that are in their lowest pricing packages are just for in-store pickup or local delivery. And then when you do want to add the ship to customer option, I think the price point might be slightly higher, but um, it's great is that you can have all options where they're going to drop ship, pick up, or you're going to deliver. And you know what I like about this, and, and, and we probably, and shame on me, I kind of glazed over it earlier, but one of the reasons why somebody would want to carry retail is to keep that customer sticky. And what I mean by that is to keep the customer loyal to coming into you, the service provider. So if you've got things, and, and Candace is going to talk about some of the tips and techniques for what you should carry and why you should carry those things in your inventory. But the whole idea is to be that place, to be the, the place where your neighborhood pet parent, your neighborhood client comes to you who is in their neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. And Selling products also allows you to have an to establish yourself even more as an expert in, in the area that you're working, right? So let's talk then. So we, we talked a little bit about the low risk, low reward, which was drop ship programs and special orders. And then we talked, which you had uh, admittingly so said that it's an area you like to camp out in most, which is low risk, high reward for an online store and even an online store drop ship kind of hybrid. What other uh, options are in the low risk, high reward category that you might recommend to pet care service providers? Well, a lot of you have lobbies, right? Uh, so that's the prime real estate place to start adding a mix of a little bit of retail, whether that's at your register area, your, your kind of the, the check-in area. Maybe you have part of your lobby, you can install some slat wall or um, bring in a couple bookcases and, you know, basket arrangements on the floor to start bringing in more product. But you already have the physical space oftentimes, and it's just about finding the right mix of products to sell in that lobby. Another option is to do small events. Um, events can be tricky because sometimes the booth space at an event can be overpriced, and sometimes events are reliant on weather which if you live in the Midwest, like I do, I feel like it's either always raining or it's too cold. And so events can be tricky, but, but when you can find the right type of, of an event that has a low booth cost or even free, that's 
an opportunity to, to sample out products and start to understand what your customers might like. Again, you don't have to invest a lot of money to bring to those type of events, but um, it's a good place to start. When it might be a way to also introduce your services part of your business as well through sort of that gateway of retail, right? Yeah, absolutely. So then, you know, obviously somebody could go, I mean, if you have your lobby and you have some uh, very carefully selected merchandise, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but sometimes, I mean, the highest risk, but the highest reward, or the highest cost, but also maybe the highest reward. Uh, one of the things that you had pointed out in the grid, and I'm looking at it right now on the grid is just a full blown retail store. Mm -hmm. So, or, or yeah, a lot a of very uh, predominant, a very predominant presence of retail. Right, right. So when I even say like a full store, you can do a, almost a full supply out of even 800 square feet. I mean, gosh, there was a store in Chicago that was near us that they did, I think, a lot of retail out of just 600 square feet. So you don't need that much space. But I did your typical retail store, independent retail store is anywhere from 1000 square feet up to maybe 2500 square feet. And this could potentially come up for you if you have the extra space or if an extra storefront next door to you opens up, you know, you could open up the wall and expand into that space. Or we even have some clients in Pet Boss Nation where their shopping centers now have made another location inside the shopping center. It may not even be next door to them where they could expand a new, a new like revenue stream into there or another opening might come for you to, to move and grow into a, new, a whole brand new space for that opportunity. Hmm. So when you are talking, and, and again, you talked a little bit uh, earlier about the online store, the, the, the other version of the online store, but that is going to be a high risk, right? Because of the cost involved with setting it up. That was the self-driven one, right? The kind of DIY online store. Yeah, and I, you know, just today, having any, you know, if you're going to sell common, if you're going to sell typical types of merchandise that you can find on Chewy and on Amazon and PetSmart, and the, really the product mix is not unique, it's going to be very hard for you to build a successful online store. There's just thousands of them online already, and you're never going to be the cheapest place on the internet, right? And even, even then, having an online store and really trying to build that as your as your source or your main source of revenue, you still have to have the marketing dollars behind it to run ads, to attract people to your website, to, to run retargeting ads, to follow up with all those abandoned carts, you know, like that. So there's a lot, a whole, a whole techie world around actually having a successful online store. So when we talk about the other type we, we talked earlier, it's really more like let's team up with a company who makes it really easy for you. Or if you're going to do it yourself still, we need to find a product mix that's really unique. So I know that there are some service providers out there who also like to make their own bows and bow ties, or they maybe they're making their own dog treats at home for fun. And so that kind of unique product, you can't find it everywhere, right? And so sometimes those types of customized products will actually still sell, still really, sell really well for you. So let's go ahead and take a dive then into what products they might want to choose for their inventory. And you have a checklist. Again, it's in the free PDF that Candace is making available to you. Uh, just a reminder, we're talking with Candace Daniolo. 
Candace is uh, the leader at the Pet Boss Nation. Uh, again, if you go to paragonpetschool.com, you're going to have all of uh, the access information into learning more about Pet Boss Nation, but also this free PDF that we keep referencing. But let's take now a look at what considerations or what, what things should, should people consider when they're choosing their inventory? And I know that one that you're super high on is sell what you already use or what you already recommend or what you recommend. Yeah, I know that you love that one too. <laughs> I, I think I've heard you talk about it too before. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the most natural place to go. You know, no matter what service we're providing, we all use, um, you're using supplies in that shop or you're already making recommendations for them to go find that product somewhere else. And so that would be the most natural place to start. Right, and the reason I love that one so much is because you've probably heard me talk about uh, 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 selling, right? That's a negative, it's like a stigma word, right? Selling, uh, selling extra services during the service, uh, during the, the, the pet's experience at your facility. And I call it recommending with conviction, right? So mm -hmm. if it's something you already use at home with your pets or maybe even in in your in your business right or that you uh, uh or that you recommend sell those things uh, recommend those things with conviction because the customers know when you believe in your product yes and especially if you are passionate about a brand that you've brought in and you maybe know a lot about that brand maybe it's usa made maybe it's made with special ingredients or you, let's say even if you are a, a pet care facility and um, you do, you know, you've got dogs that have behavior issues, there are certain training tools that you're going to have that really, if you, if the customer is unaware that these exist and can help solve a problem for them, then we've missed an opportunity to serve our customer. And so I like to start to think about selling more from, coming from selling through service, where if you're, well, the example I'd love to give is if you, your customer is looking for a harness, right? And they've got a golden doodle, right? <laughs> that hair is going to grow. The hair is going to mat, right? And we fit them for a harness. Well, now, if we just stopped there and we didn't continue the conversation with them and recommend other products that they're going to need, then that customer is going to go home and shortly after, the dog's hair is going to get really matted in the armpits from that harness right so coming from a place of service it's really letting the customer know that that has the potential of happening or most likely will happen and so it's really important for them to also leave with a you know dematting brush or something that they can use to help brush on date on the daily now we all know they may not do that <laughs> but we can at least make the recommendation for them too and that's just always again coming from a place of helping them find their perfect purchase right the purchase they wanted was the harness but now you've recommended this, this brush with it as well. So now when they get home and they start to have the mask, they already have the product that they need and they remember, oh yeah, that, that salesperson or that salon helped me, it helped ensure that I had the product that I need because they knew that this problem was going to occur. Kind of like they were looking out for me, you know? And like it'll that. help keep the customer, yeah. Yeah, I like that selling from a, 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 a a purpose or selling from a service purpose. And if you would have asked me what, how would you tie a harness and a brush together in the, in the, in the sales process? I don't know that I would have connected those dots. So I hope what, what you, the, the listener out there is hearing is 
two things that don't necessarily seem like they would be connected. Well, Candace just connected those dots for you. And I'm sure you've got lots and lots of those examples up your sleeve. But when it comes to choosing inventory, one of the things I like that, that you say is start small. Yeah, let's just start with three, three departments and three lines. Start small, pick three. Pick three departments to focus on, and then inside that department, start to look for brands. You know, when I say the word lines, I mean brands, right, vendors. Pick three different vendors that you could work with in each of those departments. So now you might have about nine different vendors. So that might seem like a lot of vendors, but in my old stores, we probably had like 75 vendors. <laughs> so it's really a great place to just kind of get started. Now, the three departments that you choose will really depend on your customer base and what you already do in your business. So there are a few that I highly recommend all the time. And I think that you should absolutely carry um, treats, right? All dogs consume and love treats for the most part. <laughs> there are very few dogs I've ever met that would ever turn down a treat. So having um, the treat category is important. I also think adding chews, again, consumable, that could be a whole other department. Chews are tendons, bones, rawhide, um, different. There's all kinds of interesting things on the market now in the chew category. And I separate that out from treats. You know, treats are packaged, either biscuits or jerky or soft training treats. That's treats. Bulk items could go, like a bulk biscuit bar could also go in the department of treats. But chewies are those separate, kind of longer lasting, individually purchased or maybe purchased in the bag, but that's that department. And then adding toys is also um, a great department to have because it's also high impulse and the price point um, is affordable, right? So in all of those categories, toys, treats, and chewies, they are easy for the customer to buy. You get great margins on them because you can and we'll talk about this later too and it's in the handout i don't know if we'll talk about it today but on how to price things but um all three of those categories you're going to make more money off of which when you can make more money off of something you can reinvest that profit back into your business hopefully it's back into more inventory to sell but a lot of people may think that to add retail they need to add pet food, right? Dog food, cat food, which a lot of a full, a full supply store will add those items because that is something that brings the customer coming back on a regular basis. And a full pet store needs that because they may not, they may not offer any grooming services or daycare services. So they have to have a reason to keep people coming in regularly. Well, a lot of our service providers already do that. So if you're going to get into dog food or cat food, it's just it's, a, it's the most expensive category to invest money into. And oftentimes you have to have a, such a wide assortment and a lot of space. It takes up a lot of space. And it also, you just don't make as much money off of dog food. You can't mark it up as much. So when you're choosing inventory, obviously space is a consideration. But one thing that you like to say is that customers vote with their wallets and, and uh, and, and one area, and I highlighted it because I, I, I know that you say that sometimes resellers, right, these, these, these companies, these businesses that are looking to sell retail, sometimes don't make the best choices of what items they carry in retail. And I'm going to let you have the little spoiler of, of, <laughs> of, of, of what you say about these folks, but, uh, but uh, you, you have a word of caution here. 
Right. So, you know, I see two things happen oftentimes in retail and it's that they, you know, a, a retail buyer for products, you know, buys, buys a bunch of goods, they put them on the, the sales floor and then they say, you know, well, my customer didn't want to buy it. My customer didn't like it. And they hold on to merchandise too long. Well, there's two problems that happen with that. When you hold on to merchandise for too long, you tend to become a museum <laughs> and we are not a museum, <laughs> you know, um, I, you know, you're looking at this, these toys and you're just like, well, gosh, when did I buy those? Right. And there's like dust collecting on the treat bags. And when we look back at when the buyer of that retail area actually brought those in, it could have been even a year or sometimes like, gosh, I've been into some stores and they've had a product like a dog bed sitting on that retail sales floor for maybe three or four years even. And I'm here to tell you that, yes, you're not a museum and your customers will vote with their wallets. So if your customers who come in every 30 days or every you know, six to eight weeks didn't buy it when they saw it the first time or even saw it the second time, they're not interested <laughs> in buying it. <laughs> they're not. And, you know, sure, you can re-merchandise it. Sure, you can try repricing it. But oftentimes we need to move that merchandise out. And so it's really important to remember that you are not a museum. And the reason that I think buyers get kind of connected to that merchandise so much is because they love that merchandise, right? They loved that pattern of that dog bed and they thought for sure that their customer was going to love it. And that's the second problem that I see oftentimes with buyers is that when you're stuck with merchandise or it didn't work for you, it didn't mean your customers don't want it. It just might mean that you're a bad buyer. <laughs> I, hate, I hate to call everybody out on that, but and I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of it too. When I first opened my retail store, it was back in 2006 and uh, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie had the TV show with the little dogs and they were dressing up their little chihuahuas and all these expensive fancy clothes. And so I thought that that's what consumers wanted. And I bought all these little dog clothes and tell me you didn't buy the di you didn't buy the diamond collars, did you? Of course I bought oh, the diamond collars. Goodness. And and I they sat in my store forever. And I couldn't I couldn't even sell them for like five dollars. You know, it was like it was just a disaster. So uh, we've all been there. We've all been there and made these mistakes, and that's how we learn. But I think hopefully after listening to this podcast, <laughs> you'll realize that uh you need to buy what your customers want, keep replenishing and reordering the things that they are buying from you. And if they're not buying the merchandise, we need to move it out so that you don't become a museum. I, you know what, that, that is some of the most powerful. So don't be a bad buyer and don't be a bad buyer who runs a museum. So I, I've made big notes about that <laughs> because those are, I'm sure those are gonna be laughable. Those are gonna be laughing moments at some point when people are listening to this podcast, for sure. So when we're talking about how much order, like you said, don't buy too much right? So you say mm -hmm. variety versus quantity of one thing is, is a better go. Mm -hmm. So, so maybe is it a few of, of the, uh, of a particular item in, in a couple different colors or, you know, something like that versus having a one peg that's just jammed with 12 of something, right? Because you bought the mm -hmm. case. Right. And so I like to say that we want you to go wide and not deep. So, and, the, and that's just in the beginning as you're starting to add retail and you're starting to understand what your customers want. Now, I'll give you an example. What will happen as you start to work with any sales reps or if you're ordering from a distributor, 
they're going to encourage you to bring in, um, let's say like a, a product line of treats that maybe has 12 different flavors. And so the rep will say something to you like, hey, you know, why don't you bring in the three best flavors, but I can give you a deal when you buy 12 of each flavor. And so you're thinking, great, that's what I want to do. I'm going to order exactly what that rep said. Those are the three best selling flavors. And I'm going to get a price break when I buy 12 of each flavor. Well, what, what could happen is once you put it out, yeah, maybe one of those flavors is the best seller and you can sell a lot of those 12, but now you're still stuck with too much inventory of the other two flavors. Oh my so gosh, in the beginning, what that. we'd like you to do. I've done yeah. that. I've done that. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> So what we'd encourage to do maybe in the beginning is I'm not even saying get all 12 flavors that they're offering, but maybe try three to four packages of six different flavors to, to make a nice display and then to present it to your customers. And then again, they'll start to vote with their dollars. And once they start um, picking the top selling flavors, those are the ones when you reorder, you can go deep when you reorder, but not until you know for sure what your customers want. Yeah. I, you know what? I, Goodness gracious, I totally have to, I, I remember, I remember a day of standing there with a distributor rep who, you know, he, he was doing his job and he was, he was really good at it. He was always a good partner in business, but you know what? He probably believed the same thing. He believed that by bringing in three of, 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 of an assortment, but bringing in, you know, a case of each or 12 of each deep was the best method. And, and now I'm sort of seeing that that wasn't, because I do remember, you know, I remember a particular treat line, the chicken was great and the beef was terrible right mm -hmm. so and 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 liver might have been somewhere in between you know those yeah i can totally see it wow okay another great point yeah and so with that even like again you might think three flavors might look great on a display which they do things in threes look good together but once you didn't go very deep now when you reorder you're going to go okay if my minimum order is you know 24 bags i'm going to almost do like uh 16 of them in chicken and only like a couple right and the other two flavors so I can merchandise it but I know that my chicken is going to fly out the door faster than anything else and that brings up another point you know storage space right so no matter, mm -hmm. no matter what you're carrying up front sometimes sometimes these folks only have these are pretty small facilities in some cases we might be talking to you know I've, I'm sure I'm, I'm talking to a uh, you know where we're being we're being heard by uh, an independent grooming shop owner out there and he or she is saying, I just don't, I don't have any storage space. So your shelves are your storage. Yeah. And I, and I, I understand that. And I, you do want to make sure you don't overbuy, but I would encourage you to never run out of the inventory. <laughs> so if there's any other place to have some back stock, whether that's in a storage room or even at your home, I know some people will keep it at their homes and then they'll bring it to the shop as they need to replenish because Another rule in retail is that we don't want to leave a peg empty or a space empty on a shelf. And the reason we don't want to do that is we, we miss an opportunity to, to sell again and to continue to build our retail um, and help it, help it thrive. Because I know once a peg gets empty or a shelf is empty, we just get so busy with the day-to-day -day of serving clients then that we, it may go a week before we remember to reorder from a manufacturer. And then it's another week before the shipment comes in. Well, think of how many customers were walking through your door and in your lobby that could have bought that product because it was a bestseller sitting there, right? So 
Um, while I don't want people to overorder, just eat the stuff that's your best sellers, you always want to keep your best sellers in stock. And so if that does mean you have to get a little creative with where you keep back stock, uh, you might have to think about those things. And you know, and, and I'm going to hop back for just a moment and talk about selling what you already use and recommend. Remember that recommending with conviction. Remember, you're not the only one unless you're a solo act. We've got a lot of solo act, uh, Hey Joe mm -hmm. listener audience members out there, right? But a lot of times you work with at least one other person. Find out what they're passionate about too, because the, the owner of the business shouldn't be the only one recommending with conviction. So if you've got sort of this group mentality, and it could be a slightly different opinion here and there, but conviction's conviction, right? Belief is mm -hmm. belief. Remember, you've got other team members who might believe strongly in something you don't, but that doesn't mean that they're wrong and you're right or vice versa. If they're put out in front of the customer and there's that particular opportunity to talk to customer, that person to talk to a customer, we want them to be able to sell with conviction as well. So just Yeah, a, and just I, I find that that um, happens the best when team members can or have used the product or have tried the product themselves, right? On their either their own pets or um, have gotten great feedback from customers. So um, we had a policy at my store where all of my employees could buy all product at cost um, I, or maybe just slightly above cost. I think it was, it was like, I think we gave them like 40% off. And it was mainly because I wanted them to use our products, experience the products and be able to afford it because that was kind of like almost like indirect sales training, right? Get it home, smell it, use it on their own pets. And then it helped them be stronger salespeople on the sales floor. And that group dynamics that happens when everybody's like sharing their notes and sharing their opinions, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, and I used it this way and I, oh, did you try it? No, I didn't think about trying that. You know, in a day right now where, where selling is so, it, it can be social, right? So you can be recommending with conviction it, it, to, it, with one post to hundreds, if not more people at one time, than you mm -hmm. can speaking one-on-one -on -one with a pet parent. Those types of ratings and reviews, especially if your whole team is involved, is very powerful. Yes, absolutely. So let's start wrapping it up again, uh, wrapping it up, uh, Candace, and, and remind us again, what does Pet Boss Nation do? And how does uh, uh, the Hey Joe listener audience, how do they benefit uh, by, obviously you're gonna be, be providing this incredible PDF download tool, right, to help, again, guys, listen, if you're out there listening right now and you have any questions, all this is in a PDF times 10. I can't believe, I can't believe how much information is in the PDF that Candace gave us <laughs> uh, for, for your use. So go there, go to the paragonpetschool.com website and get this, but you can, you can engage Candace, you can engage Pet Boss Nation and Candace has made that extra simple for you. Do you mind telling the audience what you're prepared to do for them? Yeah, well, so one of our core products is called the Pet Boss Club. And that's where I spend most of my time, you know, and my, my team of mentors hang out there. And we've got a great community of um, brick and mortar businesses from all different niches across the country in, in the pet space. And we all hang out in the Pet Boss Club. Well, the Pet Boss Club is a, a coaching mentor, business mentorship experience, we like to call it. Sure, you're going to get access to an online portal full of all kinds of amazing tips and tools um, to help you in your brick and mortar business, but also um, you get access to weekly office hours. I jump on calls and I take questions from our community 
um, multiple times a week. We host member mixers where members get to peer share with each other on all kinds of different amazing topics. And in the Pet Boss Club, we give everybody marketing planners, promotion ideas, graphics for their social media. I mean, we try to make running a business as easy as possible for you and remind you to have fun in the process. So that's our core product. And it, enrollment to the Pet Boss Club only ever happens about twice a year. We're actually even thinking about pulling it back to only allowing enrollment to happen once a year. So there's very few opportunities to jump into the club. However, for the Hey Joe listeners, you guys can get in right now. You just have to visit PetBossVIP.com. Go to PetBossVIP.com and you can learn more about the club as well as actually get immediate access if you wanted to join kind of like behind the scenes. It's like the, it's like the secret back door. <laughs> <laughs> it's a speakeasy for pet boss people. Yes, so. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you have the secret password and that is PetBossNation or PetBossVIP.com. PetBossVIP.com. Yeah. So, hey, hey, Joe, listener audience members out there, you're VIPs now, according to PetBossNation. So that is awesome. Thank you, Candice. Listen, I, I want to have you on again. There's just so much energy right now. And I've got, I've been taking notes and making, uh, uh, I've been writing comments on, on, I wrote comments on my comments because I want to have you back on and, and we're going to tear into uh, uh, even some more helpful information for the Hey Joe listener audience at some point here in the near future. Thank you so much for what you do for the industry. Thank you so much for what you've done for uh, our listener audience. And uh, uh, we wish you the very best. Thanks again for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and I'd love to come back. Any, anything for you, Joe. Oh, take care, Candace. Thanks. <laughs>